You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, Getting in the Word. Hope you're doing well. It's always a good time to be together, and it's been some time, but a blessing to be back uh, together and opening God's Word. I trust that you've had a wonderful week, and uh, and I pray that this study, as we work through uh, the knowledge of the living God, will help us in our walk with Christ and help us to become aware of who God is. It was A.W. Tozer and uh, who said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the reason that I think that he says this is because what you think about God determines how you live, how you act. Um, it is the most important thing that drives you every day, because if you have a low view of God, you will have a low view of godly living. If you have a high view of God, an understanding of who God is, you will have a high level of holy living. And so I am reminded that as we consider the knowledge of God, who God is, and why is it important to know God, that uh, that I believe it's important for all of us to become more acquainted with who God is. And so there are several things that I believe in our study that will be helpful for you as you uh, journey throughout your weeks to come. I hope that you've had an opportunity to download that uh, PDF and or buy the book for yourself so you can go through all of the material um, prior to our uh, study. But nevertheless, let me pray, and then we're going to jump right in, and we'll start by talking about chapter 1, the knowledge of God. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word. It is uh, the way you communicate to us today, and we are so grateful that you, though uh, an amazing, transcendent God, yet you were intimate and you were involved in our lives, and you have purchased us with you, the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. So thank you, God that we can come and that we can learn about who you are and why it is important to know who you are. So, Lord, help us to forget all of that we have going on for the next 30 minutes, and, Lord, help us to together consider who you are, and that is the greatest of all knowledge. We love you. We thank you. We ask you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to begin by talking about the greatest of all knowledge and where it is that a, a, a believer should begin their study on uh, Christianity in general. And I believe, as this lesson teaches, that the answer is simple. And though not always obvious, uh, Christianity is first and foremost about the person and work of God Almighty. And therefore, that is where our study should begin. Why is it important for us to have a right understanding of God? A high view of God, listen, leads again to high and holy living, a high level of worship, a, a, 
a high level of evangelism and service to God, and a low view of God leads to low and based living. We don't want that. We want to interact with who God is and understand who He is. And so the greatest of all knowledge that you and I can obtain is a knowledge of God. When we look at Jeremiah 29, or Jeremiah 9, verse 23 to 24, we learn that the most important and most essential knowledge that a person can possess is an understanding of who God is. Not, not riches, not strength, not might, not wisdom, not clout, but a knowledge and an understanding of who God is. That, that is the most important and most essential knowledge that one can obtain. The attributes of God, we ask, what is that? Well, you could say an attribute is a characteristic, is a character of who God is. And there are several uh, different attributes uh, of God. But nevertheless, the attribute of God refers to his fundamental, preeminent, unchanging characteristics, who he really is. And this should be obvious that the knowledge of God is the most important knowledge that we can possess because everything we think outside of that, if we have not an understanding of who God is, is a misrepresentation of truth. As Christians, we should devote our lives and our uh, investment into the knowledge and understanding who God is. And not only should we be trying to understand who God is, but we should also be making Him known. That is, our mission statement is to know Christ and to make Christ known. And so the knowledge of God secondly begins with His attributes. But it doesn't stop there. It also includes the knowledge of His will. Uh, flipping your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, for which uh, we are admonished uh, to regard uh, truth. He says, So then, do not be foolish, chapter 5, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen, we, we not only need to understand who God is, His attributes, His characteristics, and how that relates to us, but also we understand the, the, the will of God for our lives. The will of God ultimately refers to His purpose, His plans, His desires, and we are ultimately called to, to seek God's will and live according to it. It's in the Scriptures that the word fool is a moral term. It does not refer to a person who is unintelligent, but someone who does not recognize the importance of knowing God and living according to His will. What good is it if we know God and yet we don't live according to His will? If we know God or we say we know God and we live outside of His will, then we really don't know at least the God of the Bible. We may have some kind of un intellectual understanding of who God is based off of a fabricated God by which we have created in our own minds to satisfy our fancy so we can live and do as we please. But what good is it to know the living God, His attributes, and yet 
fail to obey his will, to be about his purpose. We, we certainly need to understand who God is. We need to have the ability to promote a high view of God by examining the different attributes that we have been given. So having a high view of God is important. Thirdly, according to the words of Jesus in John 17, 3, what is eternal life? What is the one great purpose of the believer's new relationship with God? Well, John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. There is this idea that a knowledge of God is, is, is born out of eternal life. It's in the Old Testament that we find Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. The, the idea there is the, the Hebrew word meaning to acknowledge means to know. And when you know who God is, when you understand his attributes, that, that, he, that he is sovereign, that he is holy, that he's omnipresent, that he's omniscient, omnipotent, he's immutable, he's truthful, he's wise, he's good, he's gracious, he's loving, he's foreknowing. And, he's, and he, he is wrath, he is grace, but he's wrath. When we, when we really know God, then we can trust God. So it, this is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you, the only true God. Eternal life is connected to the knowledge of God. The great purpose for the believer's new relationship with God is to know Him more. Now, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because you're among this group who's listening. But we have to daily ask ourselves the question, do we pursue to know God more? Do we spend our time, our talents, and our treasures making ourselves available to God to better know Him? to grow in His ways, to understand His attributes so that we can understand the meaning of this Christian life. Eternal life does not just refer to the quantity of life. I love hear what Paul Washer says, life without end, but to a quality of life. The great purpose of life is to know God in an intimate relationship. That's what John says, I've written these things so that you may know, right? John chapter 20. So there are benefits that we need to understand as we dive into trying to grasp and understand the knowledge of God. The benefits, they're vast. And there's many of them, and we'll consider a few of them in this study. And he lists them in uh, four different benefits. So if you have your pencils and pads, write these down, because I think they'll be a blessing to you. 
Proverbs 9.10 teaches us that the knowledge of God brings about understanding. There is the benefit for understanding. What good is it to know everything and yet not know who God is? The God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you want to be one who is truly one who understands, then you must have a knowledge of the true God of the Bible, the God of Israel, Yahweh. So a correct view of God is necessary. A right view, a right understanding of God is necessary to have a correct view of everything else. And that's why I said a high view, a, a, a great view, a good view, a, a growing view of God and understanding of who He is leads to righteous living, a lifestyle that pleases God, a, a worship that honors Him, an evangelism that, that, that blesses Him. It begins with our understanding of who God is. And so when we know God, we grow in our understanding. We have to know Him personally. It also brings about, wrought the benefit of trust and faith. What does Psalm 9.10 say about those who know God? Well, those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I'm so reminded always of God's goodness and our ability to trust in Him. Even when it's hard, even we don't understand, even when things take us by surprise, when we know God, we, we, we have the benefit of trusting Him even when things don't look good all around us. I think that's why we see in our nation, as though it's falling to pieces, there is this firm foundation of knowing that Christ and who He is and who God is is where our satisfaction is. He, he, he is completely our satisfaction. No matter what happens in the world by which we live, this is not our home because we know God personally. And when we know God personally, my friends, we can have a level of trust that just wears people out. Oh, well, you know, things are tight. That's all right. God's going to provide, my friend. I don't know how he's going to provide, but he'll provide. Oh, you know, the doctor said, I've got some good news. Well, listen to this. The worst thing that can happen to you, my friend, is the best thing that will ever happen to you. God's got you, no matter the news. Well, you know, my kids, uh, they, they're, not, they're, they're not honoring the Lord. A matter of fact, they, they've walked away from the Lord. They're, they're rejecting Him. My friend, know this. Before the foundations of the world, the Lamb's Book of Life was written. You, my friend, when you know God, can have trust that He is able, that He is willing. He will 
expound his attribute of grace and mercy, his, his sovereign ability, his, his all-powerful ability, his all-ability to know all things. He, you're, he, the, you, nothing surprises God, my friend. He, he is self-existent. He is not dependent on anyone or anything. He, he didn't create us because he was bored. No, he created us because he's God. And he's able. And therefore, what we think are big things and big issues, there is nothing big to God because God is bigger than all. And therefore, when we know God, man, we can benefit in having trust and faith. In the Scriptures, the name of God is a reference to God himself. And the more we know about him, his perfect character, his unlimited power, the more we will be able to believe him and trust him in every aspect of our lives. We benefit from the knowledge of God. We benefit from our spiritual strength. Maybe you're here today. It's Thursday afternoon. Man, we're getting close to the end of the week. It's heavy. It's been a long week. Our heads are hurting. Our ears are hurting, our eyes are hurting, our backs are hurting, our wallets are hurting. Everything's hurting. But when we know God, my friends, when we have an understanding of who He is, we, my friends, can have the benefit of spiritual strength. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, teaches us about those who know God. It says the people who know their God will display strength and action. Don't you want to be one who displays a spiritual strength and an action? Not just a talk, but a walk, an ability that only God in our, can give us the strength for. That when we are walking through the difficulties and even when things are good, we can have a, 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 an absolute wonderful knowledge of God that will drive us and give us spiritual strength. How, how do we accomplish everything? We I don't know. God, by His grace and by His mercy, gives us the spiritual strength we need. And when we know God and we understand that those who know Him will display this kind of spiritual strength and take action, and so we won't just flounder, we will press forward. To live the Christian life takes Strength, not strength in your own self, but strength in God that comes from God. The more we know about the almighty living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the stronger you will find yourself to be spiritually. And when you find yourself in the position to be strong spiritually, you will be willing, you will be able to be actively living for Christ, for the Lord, regardless of what stands in front of you. So how have you been doing in that? Is your knowledge of God driving you to have an ability to live and to operate in an arena of spiritual strength? The Bible says that in our time of greatest trial, we can trust God. 
Remember in 1 Samuel 30, uh, verse 6, David was greatly distressed, but he was what? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I think we can all benefit from a better understanding of God so that we can benefit from our understanding, from our trust and our faith, and from our spiritual strength. But also, I want you to see the benefit of perseverance. Because it's one thing to get it started. It's a one thing to get it going. It's another thing to see it through to the end. It's another thing to continue to press on. Second Timothy 1.12, Paul makes some declarations. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am confident that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I wonder, not only for my own life, do I act like Paul? Am I willing to suffer these things? Not be ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Listen, my friends, it only comes from a knowledge of who God is. Because if you believe that Santa Claus is your God, if you believe that your God is some man-made, fabricated, self-created God that does not exist, my friend, you will run out of juice and you will not persevere. But when you become acquainted with Almighty God and you understand who He is by understanding His divine character and we have a proper perspective of them, then we can persevere in the faith. When everything around us is collapsing, Paul wrote this right before he was to die and be martyred for his faith. And he remained faithful, didn't he? He trusted Christ. He followed Christ. And he finished the race well. He was bold. He was unashamed. And he was confident. Because he knew the character of God. He knew the power of God. He knew of the one whom had called him, whom he had come to believe. So there are benefits. But just as there are benefits, I think that we need to understand just as importantly that there are dangers. There are dangers. Here's the first one. And this is something that I believe we certainly see in our day. Number one, remaking God in our own image. It was in Psalm chapter 50, verse 21, that these people made a mistake. And it was in their view of God. Listen to what it says. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. God, God is not like us, my friend. He is God. And what we have done is we have elevated man 
above God. And we have denied the existence of God in this culture. And therefore, we've tried to even go as far as to cancel God. And we've made many Christians, so-called, have thought that God was like them. In the absence of a true understanding and ability to know God, listen, mankind has and will always form their opinions and remake God in their own image. They will worship whatever God they create, whether it is the God of self, whether it is the God of children, whether it is the God of government, whether it is the God of the church, whether it is the God of anything that replaces who God is. We must worship God for who He is, and that is the God who is defined by His Word. Don't make God out to be like you. It will always result in the judgment of God. And God, I believe, has all right to judge us in our day. The other negative aspect is that it breeds false worship. It breeds false worship. Now, we live in a day with just anybody feels like they can have some level of worship in any matter of fashion that they so choose. And so thus they will, uh, they will uh, say, I don't have to go to church. I can go worship God out in the boat on Sunday. In John 4, what did Jesus tell the woman at the well? The Samaritan woman for which he did not go around Samaria as they would, he went right through Samaria on task, on purpose, to reach out to this woman so that she would be born again and she would be an evangelist for Christ. But what does he tell her regarding himself and her people and their religion? He said, you worship what you do not know. A lot of people says worship over here on Mount Gerizim. And you people say you have to worship here. And Jesus says, I tell you what, there will come a day when you will neither worship here nor there, but in spirit and in truth. Idolatry occurs when we worship anyone or anything other than the living God. Do not bow the knee to anyone but God. Period. Idol worship is the absence of a true knowledge of God. Because when you know who God is, I don't care what they think. I don't care what she thinks. I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what mom thinks or dad thinks. If I understand who God is based and founded in the word of the living God, then I can be certain that that is who I am to worship. He is who I am to worship, not some person, place, or thing. Otherwise, when we have a misunderstanding of God and we've created and fashioned some fabricated God that doesn't exist in the Bible, we begin to identify that with Christianity and we have made basically a, a raunch error. And they create false gods in their own minds and they worship the God they have made. And that's why I believe when people follow man and woman, and they worship them, 
that it that I don't I don't pity people who follow that they they're getting what they deserve they they are getting what they want and God is able and willing to turn to turn people over to a depraved mind they are so blind to reality so a lack of understanding of who God is drives us to a false worship it also drives a, an unbelief or lack in trust. Romans 10, 14, what are the implications of the apostles' questions in regards to knowing God? He says in verse 14, how then will they call on whom they have not heard and how they will, and whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Although this Scripture is speaking specifically about preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, it as well has a wide range of understanding in relation to the knowledge of God. How can one believe in God whom he does not know? Listen, we all were there before we placed our faith in Jesus Christ. We were all in a lack of understanding who God was until he gave us eyes to see he gave us the ability to believe. And led us to salvation. But as the believer, you and I, or whoever's placed their faith in Christ, I want you to see and understand, my friend, that when we have a faulty view of God, we may be saved, we may be born again, and we may be growing in our sanctification. Positionally, we've been made right with God, but progressively we're pressing on, we're growing, and we're learning, and we're becoming more acquainted with God. And at that moment when we learn something about God that we did not know, my friends, we may have to fall on our knees and ask God to forgive us because we have misunderstood God. And I believe that's important for all of us to consider. Because it's only those in, who put their faith in God, who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that will put their trust in Him. So it creates a false worship, an unbelief, lack of trust. But notice this, fourthly, it, it produces an indifferent and apathetic view of sin. You can always tell when somebody doesn't really know God because they have an apathetic view of sin. It's okay to sin. Oh, it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm just learning a lesson here. No repentance in your heart whatsoever. My friend, that's not how God works. Sin is sin, and sin is hideous, and sin is against a holy and perfect and righteous God. And when you have a high view of God, you have a high, holy living. This is the continental divide, so to speak, as Dr. Lawson would say. And, 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 a, and a high view of God is like water that, that falls and it, and it leans to one side and falls down into the tributaries and out into the rivers that produce righteous living. But a low view of God falls on one side and drains down, and, and, it, and it leads to de debased living, apathetic living, an acceptance of sin. 
And sin doesn't penetrate our hearts. Not saying you won't sin, but when you do, it will drive you to true repentance that leads to action, not just words. Anybody can talk Christianity. Anybody can post Christianity, but not anybody can live like Christ. But when you have a high view of God, my friends, it's so beautiful because when you do fail, which you will fail, you will have a heart that is broken and calling upon Christ for his grace and his mercy to to continually walk in repentance daily. But when you don't know God, you have an apathetic view of sin. 1 Corinthians 15.34, the Apostle Paul rebuked the church in Corinth because some professing believers among them had no real knowledge of God. This ignorance of God resulted in two dangerous and shameful consequences. Number one, they were not sober-minded as they should have been. It's a command, be sober-minded. also can be translated sober up or wake up from your drunken stupor. Because they did not know God, they were living like sleeping men, like drunken men with regards to the dangers of sin and the importance of living according to the holy word of God. It also drove about sinning where we derive the Greek word hamartia, means to miss the bulls, I miss the mark. Because they've missed this mark regarding the nature of who God is and his holiness and his righteousness, they miss the mark of regarding how they should live before a holy and righteous God. So if you were to be where you are in this moment, at any given time in the day, accomplishing what you are doing and God shows up, how would you respond? Would you run and hide? Would you put it away? When you understand that God is everywhere at all times, when you understand His full terms of His attributes, boy, it changes the way we live. So what does Proverbs 29.18 provide with regard to the consequences of a lack of knowledge of God? He says, where there's no vision, the people are restrained. Or you could say the people perish. But how blessed is he who keeps the law? The law doesn't save, but it is a byproduct of what God has done in you. So, in Isaiah 4, 2, 1-2, the Lord rebukes the nation of Israel for their arrogance, their ignorance of God, and, and describes the, the kind of lawlessness that's always brought about by a lawless living. Verse 1, they had no faithfulness. They had no knowledge. There was swearing. You know, there's something about someone who claims to be godly that can't keep a clean tongue. It's nauseating. There was deception, meaning there were half-truths that couldn't really be denied, but couldn't really be proven. 
There's murder. You say, well, I've never murdered anything. Well, it says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And if you've broken one of the law, Romans 10 says, you've broken all of the law. There was stealing. There was adultery. There was violence. All because there was a lack of God. A lack of understanding. And listen, the final judgment that comes from a lack of understanding is a divine judgment and destruction. This is by far that which is most frightening to all of humanity who has no knowledge of God and the consequence of ignoring God is destruction. It is to hear when you stand before Christ, which you all will, whether you die now or you die later, you will stand before him and you will give an account and he will say to those who do not know God, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. In Hosea 4, 6, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You know, people are easily deceived. Why? Because they don't know God. They don't know the Word of God. They've never read it for themselves. They've never cooked up the meal for themselves. They've, they've only sat under somebody who's given them everything they need and give them all the excitement and the joy and the, and the uplifting moments, and, but they don't know God. And they lack knowledge, and the people are destroyed because of it. Because you have rejected knowledge, he says, I will reject you from ministering as my priest. This even went as far as the priests. These were those in the cloak, so to speak. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I myself will forget your children. The lack of the knowledge of God is devastating. It's, it's, it's horrendous. And it leads to being rejected by Almighty God, which will ultimately come in the final destruction unto eternity, separated from God in a place called hell. Listen, our ignorance of God will even have a devastating effect upon the generations that follow us. My friends, make no mistake, what you are seeing in this world today is because many have failed to acknowledge God. Many fathers have failed to and have abdicated their responsibility to love the Lord, the God, with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind and their strength, and their children watch it, and they have no desire in their heart to make church a priority, to make God a priority, to make his word a priority, and we wonder why, because they don't know God, our children don't know God, and when our children don't know God, know this, there will come a day when they will none know God, but there's always a remnant, my friend. And we can be that remnant who drives our families, who drives our homes, and who drives God into those elements and teaches them when they lie down and when they rise up so that they won't become like this generation 
Oh, let them choose. Let them cancel everything. Let them call he a she and she a he all they want. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord because we know God. We know Yahweh in a way that is salvation brown, baby. We're going to stand for truth. The wrath of God, though, in Romans 1.18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men, listen, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. My friend, these people are not victims. They're getting what they deserve because they are getting what they want. Let that not be us. May we, as we live out our lives, understand God's goodness, understand that understanding who God is matters. And if it matters, then we ought to spend the time, the effort, and the energy in becoming acquainted with the God of the Word. And the only way we can become acquainted of the God of the Word is to put our heads in the Bible, study it, read it, pray, and ask God who has created all life to give us understanding that only can come from Him to save people that will save this world, this people. It's the gospel, my friends. What good is it to have a great nation and all of them go to hell? I would rather have a horrible nation and people getting saved than I would a great nation (laughs) and everybody goes to hell. I will not exchange that which is temporal for that which is eternal. So let us today, as we live out our lives as believers and followers of Christ, let us begin by committing to having an understanding of who God is so that we might have a knowledge of the living God. Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, help us as we study the Scriptures, as we seek them with all of our heart that that we know that you may be found. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us through your creation, through your special and divine revelation, through your living and active Word, so that we can study who you are and conform into a Christian who will love you and honor you and respect you and exalt you, and who will live a life that will honor your name. May you be with each one listening today. Bless them in a special way, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast, and be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.